Hey, everybody. Welcome. Very excited about this new series, mainly because it is such a, an expression of really, I believe, a very current issue as far as a challenge of the church and to encourage us, maybe to incite us a little bit in focusing on a new, uh, a new paradigm of what God has for the church. See, when the world changes, when the world is changing around us, it's shifting, the Scripture reminds us, it, it promises us that God will raise up a standard, that God will prepare us for the new challenges uh, that are taking place in the world. So this series, I'm calling it Taking Ground. And I'm going to explain that here tonight, and I'm going to explain it throughout the series in what it is that I believe that God is, is challenging us to do as a church. And I think it's going to make more sense. Over this past year, I believe I've been you know, esoterically, maybe symbolically, sharing with the church without getting too specific about preparing us to really see the challenges ahead of us, to, to look what the Scripture says about spiritual warfare without really coming out and, 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 and really naming it specifically. I guess I have from time to time. But I'm leaving it up to the Holy Spirit to show you. So in the spirit of that, I'm going to equip you. I'm going to give you what you're going to need, what I believe for this, this, this shifting that's taking place in our world. And so I think sometimes we get confused. I think we get a little confused these days about what Christians are supposed to do. Are we supposed to lead a militaristic crusade for Christ worldwide? Or are we called to just hold on until Jesus comes? What is the mission of the church specifically? Are we called to be kind and tolerant and maybe pacifistic? Or are we called to advance Christ's kingdom through faith and holy living? Well, what I want to do tonight is real quickly, just let's look at the evidence. Just as an overview of what we know, you've read the Gospels, you've, you've read your Bibles, and, and especially what, what, what you've, you've read about what Jesus did. But let's take a look. First of all, Christ clearly was interested in saving the world. We know that was the mission, right? Jesus told us, he says, you know, the Father so loved the world that he sent his Son. He said, I was sent to save you. Of course, you've got to ask that question, from what? You know, especially if people don't think they need saving. But he said, I come to save you from yourselves, from darkness, and restore us back into a relationship with the Father. And so we've got that. That was the message. We call this message the good news or the gospel. Secondly, Jesus was active, wasn't he? When he came to the earth, he didn't just, uh, just, just be. He didn't just exist and look to be worshipped. He wasn't like so many other idols and, and, and gods, quote-unquote, with a little g, that just demanded reverence. Jesus, in fact, shunned all that. He did not want to be worshipped. He didn't even want to be recognized for what he did. But what I want to point out in the evidence is that Jesus was active. He, the moment he hit the ground, the moment he embraced what it was he was called to do, he got busy ministering to people. He changed everything he, he touched. Jesus referred to this generation, his generation, as a wicked generation in need of confronting with truth, and so he taught truth. And they needed to be confronted with true freedom 
And so he cast out demons and showed him what, what it was to be free of the darkness of this world. Helping them being delivered from the evil control that he exposed everywhere he went. And of course, equipping. Equipping with his, his, his teaching and equipping his disciples with his own authority to say, now go and, and, and speak and pray and, and command and declare in my name. This is the evidence. We know that his disciples obviously took that to heart. Not only were they trained in doing it, but the book of Acts is a clear example of them going out. Of course, they were afraid. They were, they were discombobulated. They were confused as to what they were supposed to do because they didn't understand how it was all going to shake down. But then when, of course, Jesus rose from the dead and he appeared to them and he said, now go, they did it. And the evidence is pretty clear that they, they, they took that to heart and they went there, of course, to Judea, then Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the world, just like he told them they should. Also, we see that the gospel began missionally, and it began to advance in exactly the same way. He preached the gospel missionally, and they took that and they ran with it. They knew that they were not going to be just the only ones saved. They knew. Jesus kept on telling them, we want more. We've got to reach more people. So from village to village, soul to soul. And so that was clearly made manifest. This was communicated to the disciples. So they knew what their mission was. And it's exactly what happened. From my study and my own life experience of many years in ministry, I see us fulfilling the Great Commission in two distinct ways, and that is what we have been. That is what has been done for us. We've been commissioned to go and do what Jesus told us to do. And so the two different ways that I have seen, what I've experienced, what I have taught for many, many years and have poured into this church is, number one, by telling people the good news. Telling people. And, of course, that's something, that we, that's something we have to say. We've got to open our mouths. We've got to tell people. We've got to let them know. We've got to shout from the roof, rooftops that Jesus Christ has come. It's the John 3, 16 in behind the goalpost. It is sharing with your neighbors. It is every opportunity that you have to share with people the good news. The news that never uh, stops being good. It is a gospel that every generation needs to hear. That's the first thing. That's the first distinct way that we fulfill the, good, the Great Commission is we've got to speak it. We've got to tell people. Secondly, we've got to live the transformed life that the good news brings to us. The moment we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, the more we are inundated with a whole new lifestyle, the moment we've accepted Christ as our Savior and the Holy Spirit comes and baptizes us, and we begin to walk in the truths that we learn, the things that Jesus, our hearts are open, and we begin to understand the scales from our own eyes come off, and we begin to understand that Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount was saying, look, I want you to go and tell people, but I also want you to live what I'm teaching you. And so that's the second part of what we're called to do in this great commission, and that is to live the transformed life. We've talked about this already. I'm, in, in some ways, 
I'm, I'm just kind of recapping some things that I've already preached in the last several months, but I, I feel like we need to keep coming back to this, especially when we talk about taking new ground. We have to be firmly aware what it is that we're called to be and to do, and why. See, we know the what, but do we know the why for the what? And then when you put those together, then you'll, you'll see that Christ is right there with you. He's ready to make it all happen, especially in the light of what we see happening in the world today. I guess my, my point tonight is, folks, this is what Jesus did. This is what he taught his disciples to do. And that's what he's called us to church to continue doing. Our strategy hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. In fact, more than ever, we're to pick up the flag. You know, in battle, when the flag bearer was shot and fell down, it was everyone knew in the regiment, everyone knew in the battle line that you never let the flag fall to the ground. And it wasn't just because of honor. It wasn't just because of honor. It was because they knew that once that flag was advancing, if the rest of the regiment could see the flag still flying, and moving forward, then that brought courage, that brought focus. It brought a sense of continuity and togetherness. So as a church, we're called to never let the flag of truth fall. You see your brother or your sister go down. You bless him, you pray for him, and you call the, those, the healing team to come in, but you pick up that flag and you keep going. You keep going. We sing the song, this is my testimony, right, from dark to light. So it's not just words. It's not just what Jesus did. It's what Jesus has done for me. And the more we embrace this, the more I think we're going to understand what it is. It, it means to take new ground. So what does it mean to take ground? Well, first of all, taking, what I mean by taking ground is I'm talking about people, folks. I'm talking about reaching people. And of course, even though we're talking about you know, taking ground as, as kind of a, a figure of speech, what we really are talking about is advancing the gospel regionally. See, Jesus said your Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. Ours, if we were to translate that to what we teach and in, 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 you know, overlaying that with where we are, we'd say our Roanoke Rapids, our Weldon, our Garysburg, our, our Gaston, our county, our state, and the nation, and every other nation that God sends us to. This concentric, outgoing circles of influence, that's our mission. And, and it hasn't changed. So taking ground. So what is the church called to do? Well, folks, look, we, as long as we're breathing, as long as we have been given this, this charter, this commission, as long as we, we, we breathe in and out and are here, then this is our mission. You know, some people would uh, argue that that was only for the disciples, that that was their mission. Well, you'd have to read Jesus' uh, prayers there in John chapter 14 through 17 to really understand that absolutely, Jesus was thinking about us too. And it continues to be our mission. That great commission is our commission. It's our mission if we decide to accept it. So it's taking ground. We're talking about reaching people. 
and reaching people to help them experience true freedom. And then the ground we're talking about, well, of course, we're talking about regions, aren't we? We're talking about places. Because what's interesting about battle is that you, you can tell the people that you've occupied them. You can tell people that they've been conquered. But until you come and occupy that land physically, until it's boots on the ground, you do not have jurisdiction. You, you, you haven't conquered it. And so there is an, an aspect of what is taking place in our country right now and nations throughout the world that sometimes, you know, you know, we know that the church is in decline. I mean, there's, these, are, these are facts. Churches like our own are growing. We had 800 people in church last Sunday here at Valley Community Church. 800 people. That was amazing, wasn't it? And, um, and over, I think, close to, I'm not sure what the number is exactly, but I think it's 1,300 online viewers. And 350 that we knew were active at that moment while the, services, uh, while the second service was going on. So folks were impacting. And for our region, I've just got to tell you, this is incredible. That means God's favor is upon us. But what I've learned about warfare, and I'm going to share this with you throughout this, this, this uh, uh, series, is you can't rest on your laurels. And there's this thing called the principle of pursuit, and I'm going to teach you that. Because when it comes to warfare, the battle's not over until you have run the enemy completely off the field. Completely off the field. And so, folks, we've, we've, we've got to think in terms of what is our jurisdiction? What is our calling? What is our place? Well, it begins right here in our own backyard, doesn't it? It begins right here in our community. And we've got a strategy we're called to love our community, not curse it. We're called to serve our community, not ignore it. We're called to love people and to teach them. We want to make it so hard for people to go to hell in this community that they yell at us and tell us, stop telling us about Jesus. We'd rather go to hell. All right? That's, that's the way this is going to go down. We, on our watch, we don't want a single soul to breathe their last without hearing the simple, loving, powerful, impacting message of Jesus Christ. That is our mission. And it will not change. It will not change. Now, will that affect the community? Absolutely. In fact, you know, we talk about this, this, this battle plan. And so, get to the heart of my message tonight. We have our orders. We have our strategy, and then finally we have our victory. Let's take a look at this first one. Folks, we have our orders, and we call this a great commission. And, and I won't, you know, reteach this because I, I kind of jumped ahead of myself. But what is at stake here is absolute captivity. So one of the things that you've probably noticed, that when Jesus said it is finished, and he said the kingdom of God is here, you've probably been like me, and you've backed up and you've realized and you've said, well, that's all in good, good, but I still see darkness advancing. I still see bad things happening. I still see some things that absolutely confuse me. In fact, when we think about this past year and, and some of the things that have been thrust and maybe even, you know, ginned up 
because of darkness advancing, it gets pretty confusing and overwhelming for, for Christians. But I think that's a wake-up call for us. Because what it means is that the church has forgotten who we are. It means that the church has forgotten that a lot of these things are going on our watch and we feel very helpless and nothing could be further from the truth. You are not helpless. Absolutely not helpless. And yet when we start falling into sheep mode, and I'm not talking about Jesus sheep mode, I'm talking about sheep that are being driven by the enemy sheep mode, then, then that's a, a terrible state of affairs when you think about what it is that Jesus said we could do and how we could pray and how he's given us his name and how we can, that we can you know, uh, just resist the devil and he'll flee. My goodness, if the devil's not even flee, fleeing, we're not even resisting him. Not even resisting him. So we have our, our, our marching orders, and I think I've made that pretty clear. And that is ultimately to win the reward of his suffering. To empty hell and fill up heaven. Now these are just words, these are just statements. But folks, when, they, when it gets inside you, and you begin to live that way, and you say, well, Pastor David, I, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a, uh, you know, I'm not a pastor, I'm not an, an elder or a deacon, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not any of those things. It doesn't matter. The moment you said, Jesus, would you be my savior, you were given a set of armor. <laughs> it's in your locker for the kingdom. You have a helmet of salvation. You have a, a breastplate of righteousness. You have a, a belt of truth. You have the shoes, boots of the gospel. And you have a sword of the spirit, and you have a shield of faith. It's your armor. And Paul talked about that. Paul talked about that we're, we've, we're, we're, we're joined up. We're in it. And he, and he really encourages us. He's talking to Timothy, and he's really encouraging us not to forget who we are and what we've been called to do. And any soldier, as his argument is, begins to forget that what their, a soldier's called to do and forgets to keep his weaponry sharpened and, 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 and knowing how to use it, then, then that soldier becomes very, uh, uh, you know, it, it, not as useful as, as that soldier could be. In fact, that soldier might even actually get in the way. And so, folks, we've got to understand, first of all, what our orders are and not be confused by that. And I think that it is a time right now where the church needs to be awakened to some very simplistic things. And it's just to say that that, that, that commission is my commission. And it doesn't matter what I'm doing, what are the widgets you're making, it doesn't matter what you're, you're doing in life, you know, if you're, you're, what industry you're in, however you, whatever your vocation is, how you're making money to, to eat and to live, it doesn't matter. Because then, whatever you're doing, you're still salt and light. You still have a testimony. You still are a believer who is empowered, who's walking among people, that you have an incredible message, and you're being transformed by that message. And it is an absolute shame that we would walk by lost people, people who have never heard the gospel or ever seen the gospel, and yet we never say a word. And so it's time for us to realize that this is not going to be won by just one individual or a team of people. It's got to be all of us. Because each one of us have a part to play 
And as all of us comes, it's the strength in numbers. It is the, the you know, even we know that it, when the church comes together in unity, there's incredible power. It doesn't take much, honestly. It just takes unity, doesn't it? It just, t- it just takes everybody on a team knowing what they're called to be and to do. So sometimes, and I'll insert this really quickly, you know, sometimes we're challenged about some of the things that we do here at Valley and why we don't do more programs and why we don't. Well, folks, the reason why, and of course, Jamie and Pastor Bruce, they, Pastor Jamie and Bruce, they, 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 they explain this to you in quite detail, but I'll remind you again that, folks, we keep things simple because it needs to be simple. Sometimes we get so good at so many things, we forget about what the main thing is. And we, we, we deplete ourselves both in resource of time, energy, and even the resources of our monies. What are, being, what, what are we using them for to really advance the kingdom, to really share the gospel, to be a transforming organism in the form of an organization, which is just a front, by the way, just a front. Because the church is not a building, is it? It's people. It's us. And so when, when, when we come together under that banner, when we, we have that flag, and we all know that we're concentrating our effort on one point on the battlefield, when we all say, when, when the commander or the captain or the, the colonel of that regiment comes and says, that is our focus point, that is where we're going. We all attack there, we all pray there, we all focus on that, this is what we're going to do. Then incredible damage can be done to darkness. Incredible damage. The problem is so many churches are so spread out and so confused and so uh, dissipated in their focus that they're not able to advance not one yard when it comes to people or even impacting their community. You know, we talk about what this commission is. Let me just read it right out of Matthew 28, word for word. And Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Bingo, done, been done. It's not going to change. Everything's been put under Jesus' feet, okay? He is the ultimate authority. Then he goes on, therefore, because of that, because that is true, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So what, what he's basically saying is, look, I'm sending you out. I have all the authority. You don't have to worry you don't have to, you, nobody, if anybody challenges you, you can say, well, I'm, you know, I'm being sent by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm being sent on the one who has won back mankind. I'm the one, I'm, I'm being sent as an ambassador on behalf of the one who demons tremble to hear his name. They flee. So this is what Jesus, he says, go make disciples of all nations. So not just our backyard, not just our community, but everywhere. Where, what, what is our uh, scope? Where is that, what is our ju- jurisdiction? It's the planet. <laughs> it's everywhere. Everywhere. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, a physical, public display of a transformed life so that they know and everybody else knows that they've given their life to Christ by identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I believe, right? And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So his teachings are important, aren't they? So it's not just getting people saved, but it's discipling them. It's helping them to understand 
what it is that the Holy Spirit's trying to do in you. The moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit gets active. He's ready to educate you. He's ready to train you. He's ready to impact you. He's there, full bore, ready to help you understand what it is that you are called to do and to literally fill up your docket with not only truth, but places whereby you can use that truth. Holy Spirit ready to engage with all the power of heaven through you. That's amazing stuff right there, isn't it? Amazing stuff. He says, so teach people what I taught. And then surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's not to be taken lightly. I love it because it's kind of Jesus sandwiched here. He said, all authority has been given to me, so I rule it all. And by the way, I'm not leaving you. I'm not going to, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. So don't fear when you go out there and you're on the edge and when you're facing the darkness of this world, when you're facing the challenges, when you're facing the, the lies and the, 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 the mysteries and all the manipulations and all the crazy stuff that this world is generating. He says, don't worry, I'm with you. I will be with you. I will help you. I will speak to you. I will give you discernment. I'll, I'm going to provide all these wonderful gifts to empower you, to keep doing what? Advancing that gospel to every nation. Folks, that is the mission of our church. Here at Valley Community Church, it's, it's quite simple. You know, people ask me, what's, a vi- what's your vision? Um, keep telling people about Jesus. Adding people. You know, I say, well, gosh, you know, you talk about numbers. You know, some people might think that 800, man, you're counting people. You're all into numbers. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely into numbers. 1, 3, 12, 30, 800. One soul. 30 families. Nine people baptized. 800 people hearing the message of Jesus Christ. Numbers are really nothing in the sense of comparison. But they do help us know, are we advancing the flag? Are we taking new ground? Are we really doing what Jesus told us to do? And you know what? It was Jesus who said, I gave one, you know, I gave the talents. One, three, five. Remember that? It was Jesus who said, look, I'm just letting you know. You will be asked, what did you do with what I gave you? Are you multiplying it? Are you? So, Here we are, a wonderful season and period of history here in the United States. As long as we still have it, we will continue to move the flag. We will continue to take the high ground. We will continue to advance the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. We have our orders. And, you know, we talk about, you know, warfare. And it's very much like guerrilla warfare. What is guerrilla warfare? Well, A person who is a guerrilla or a part of a guerrilla band is a member of an irregular, usually indigenous military or paramilitary force operating in small bands in occupied territory to harass and undermine the enemy as by surprise raids. Sounds like the church to me. We've been airdropped into the world. So, because, I mean, folks, look around you. (laughs) <laughs> Some of our territory is still occupied, isn't it? There's plenty of darkness out there. 
There's plenty of people that are, that are, that are still thinking that, that Jesus didn't exist. There's still people out there who embrace demonic forces and talk about it. Embrace it with, you know, hedonistic and pagan, you know, revelry. It's still there. And when we think of the massive amounts of numbers, of course, here in the United States, we still do have a majority, but that's changing. In other nations, not a, at all. Jap Japan is like 1% Christian, if you can imagine that. Talk about a church being <laughs> underground, right? Having to be that small band who are able to go and disrupt and take back what the enemy thinks he has. See, as long as the church keeps thinking we're in a losing status, which is exactly what the enemy wants to make you think, by the way. That's what he wants you to, and man, it is all on right now to make us think that we're losing, make us think that we're in bondage, make us think that we can't do anything, make us think that our prayers don't matter, make us think that our government's out of control, make us think, folks, look, the church needs to wake up. And we need to relearn what it is. We, 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 must, we even really have to go back to just Jesus training school is what we need to do. And once we get into that status, and once we understand with our small groups that that small group is not just a group of people that are meeting in a, in a geographic location. No, no, no. Man, you're airdropped. Kingdom of God people airdropped into a location who when they get together and start praying, things are happening Lives are being changed and turns upside down. Spirits are running for cover. If we will just understand and think and live that way, we'll see it. We'll see it. We're seeing it here. So are we the underdogs? That's a very interesting question. The truth is, what, what, what's amazing in this world is that there is a majority of people who want freedom and people who are open. And, and I would even say in our nation right now, people who believe in God, majority. But divided, because that's what the enemy wants to do, divide and conquer, right? Bring, divide us along racial lines. Divide us along economic lines. Divide us down all, every line, gender, I mean, it doesn't matter. Just, just find anything in our society, and that's what the enemy is going to exploit and to separate even the church. And if we can bring that kind of chaos, then, yeah, divided we fall. So we got to go after that. We're only underdogs in our own minds. And that's the sad part of it that we're being influenced, controlled, manipulated by a very small group of people with great deceptive abilities and great resources. They think they're in control, but they're only going to take what they're given. Only take what they're given. See, after Jesus' battle with Satan, you know, you'll notice in the battle, Satan is absolutely in this, in this temptation in his time of fasting. Satan is incredibly emboldened. He knows who Jesus is, and yet he believes in his twisted, you know, maniacal existence that he could get Jesus to uh, turn rocks into bread. That he would say, yes, I'll bow down to you, Satan, and I'll, I'll, get every, I'll take the, the easy way out to get the jurisdiction of the earth instead of having to die. Satan absolutely believed he could do that. That shows you what you're up against. 
If the enemy of our souls thinks that he could deceive Satan, what does he think of you and me? I mean, he could, he could deceive Jesus. What does he think of you and me? I promise you, it is with the same intensity that the enemy will try to use our need for food, our need for safety, our need for significance. He's going to use all three of those because those are exactly what he used on Jesus. Sound familiar? We have our orders. Secondly, folks, we have a strategy. Well, I need a motor here. In Psalm 37, I want to read this. And I want you to take some time to read it on your own. Read the whole psalm. It's, it's incredible because right inside it is a strategy right from the heart of God for every believer. And, and I'm thoroughly convinced it is what David understood well before his time. But he goes on and he says this. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. So that tells us what the existence of the, of the, of the evil ones, what their journey is. I mean, they're, the clock is ticking on them. So to trust God, trust his plan. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. So don't just trust God and do nothing. Trust and do good. Do what God has called us to do. Get busy advancing, not just occupy. See, we don't get the job done just being Christians. We've got to be Christians, and then we've got to advance through sharing the gospel, by living Jesus, by being salt and light, by rejoicing in receiving his blessings, sharing those blessings, and teaching people how to get theirs too. That's how it works. Trust in the Lord, dwell in the land, and enjoy safe pasture. Isn't that interesting? Even while wickedness is there, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn and your vindication like the noonday sun. You got a cause? You know, the enemy likes to bring causes up and, 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 and gets us out of rest about those causes. And, and the world likes to exploit those. But see, what we do is either we'll pick up a weapon or we'll begin to tear down people or we'll become politically, you know, insulting or whatever we do. We may try to take matters into our own hands to try to change things around us. And I'm not saying we shouldn't vote. We should vote if, if that even matters anymore. But you know what I'm saying? But we should do those things that we can be to good citizens, but on top of it all, on top of it all, this is what I hope to teach you, that you can do more on your knees with a blood-bought, spirit-filled, focused, in a band of guerrilla Christians, you can change this world more than anything else that can be done. And I'm talking governments, I'm talking every bit of it. And I hope over the next several weeks, folks, that I can prove it historically. Why is the church still here? Why are we thriving? Why are there churches in every nation, including the fastest growing church in the world in China? How could that be possible? 
accept that when a bunch of Christians get together and realize who they are and what they can do, that it will advance, even in the face of great darkness. Let's keep going here and finish up. It says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he'll do this. He's going to make your new, your, the vindication of your cause. It's going to shine. It's going to come to the forefront. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Folks, that's the best advice we could get when it comes to some of the things that we wait on God and know when to move, when to pray, how to pray, how, how to serve, how, how to exploit and, 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 and uh, literally uh, disarm the enemy. It's waiting on him, not taking matters into our own hands. It says, do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. Finally, our victory. Folks, don't let anything distract you from what Jesus has commanded you to do. And I know these are just words. We're going to do our very best here at Valley. And the way that we lead by example is keep the mission simple. Okay? We worship God. That's our chance to offload our shame. It's our, our time to exalt Christ in our own hearts, make him first, re, rekindling the first love. It is, it is, it is attracting the Holy Spirit to us and, and, and to refill and to recharge and refocus. And then we heard, hear the word of God and then, and then we keep getting trained and equipped and then we go out there and live it. And then we get in small groups so that we can then occupy and spread out our influence, not only through our physical location, but all the impact of the people that we come in contact throughout the week. That's how it's done. That's how the church did it. The early church did it. And that's the way it will continue to happen. Folks, if we continue to focus on what we would call the master plan of the kingdom advancing, then we'll see it. You'll see it. You'll see it in your life. You'll see it in your family. You'll see it in your community. You'll see it in the world. You will. And it is happening. Just because you don't hear it on CNN doesn't mean it's not happening. Just because, well, shoot, just give me any three-letter you know, news agency, right? Let me finish with the rest of Psalm 37, or at least this next section, 9 through 13. For those who are evil will be destroyed. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Isn't that interesting? Now, I know he's talking about Israel. I know he's talking about a physical land. But here's David saying, look, God knows we need to live. God knows we need to occupy a location. I'll tell you what, before we're done, you're going to see that land and people, they go hand in hand. Historically, we've always known this to be true. And that's why lands are blessed and why lands are cursed. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land. There it is again. And enjoy peace and prosperity. Man, can I get an amen out of that one? The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. I love that, don't you? I mean, you know, amen. I don't wish for anybody's demise. I don't. Because I know 
that the wicked will be given an opportunity to hear the truth. So what we're really talking about is people who've rejected the truth. Because what we're going to do is we're going to say, look, we're going to give you on our watch, we're going to make sure you not only hear the gospel, you see it operating in my life to some degree. You're going to see it. You're going to see me not hating people. You're going to see me not burning things down. You're going to see me loving you, serving you, picking up trash in my neighborhood. You're going to see me feeding you. You're going to see me taking care of your old people. We're going to see you taking care of your children and helping you. You're going to see the church being the church. And then when the message comes out, it matches. And that's what people are looking to see. Folks, the the reality is (laughs) this world is just not going to succeed without him. This isn't. And God, God laughs at every attempt to keep building the Tower of Babel in whatever form it takes. This won't succeed. Won't. So, you know, we've got that challenge. Do we want to be on the winning side? Well, I love knowing I'm going to be on the winning team. That's just an awesome thought. Right? You go to a tournament, and it's like, hey, nobody knows. We're already a winner. You know? That's what we're talking about here. We're already on the winning side. We've got to start acting like it, don't we? And that's what we're really talking about. See, the enemy spins his web of deceit through confusion and fear. He wants to do the bait and switch. He wants to get us watching our television screens and get predictively programmed. Folks, you need to spend more time reading about the victorious king of kings than all the other mess that we tend to watch for hours and hours. Amen? <laughs> that wasn't as enthusiastic as the other one, but that's okay. I hope after this series, well, I'll convince you a little bit more. I hope. Well, folks, let's stand up this evening and let's pray. I'm grateful that you're all with me and with us here tonight because, folks, we're in this together. <laughs> We're in this together. And I'll, I'll tell you, I want to appeal to you, if, if I can, just for a moment, to be praying for the elders and myself. Pray for our pastors and our deacons. Pray for our small group leaders. Because so many of us, you know, we're, we're, we stand up here. Matter of fact, every time I stand up here and, and declare what I declare to you, in some ways I pay a price. I always pay a price. Because the enemy doesn't like that. But that's okay. Because I remember what he tells me, that he's never going to leave me nor forsake me. But I love Paul in many of his letters. He's saying, look, I'm on the front line. Pray for me. I encourage you to do that. Please, pray for us. Because what I promise to give in return as your pastor is to lead you into victorious battles. And you know what? (laughs) That's what I want, don't you? Don't you want to see freedom in your life? Don't you want to see your family getting set free? Don't you want to see darkness fleeing like you've never seen anything flee before? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, we just come before you tonight. Lord, we know that the only way, God, we're going to be Lord, that kingdom advancing force is that we understand it and we walk in it and we declare it. 
So Lord, I pray, let there be an awakening, an awakening here at Valley. Lord, an awakening every gospel-preaching church in this region. Oh, because we, we can't do it alone. We need to do it together. And Lord, when we can all get on the same sheet of music, praying the same way, Lord, understanding who we are and what we're called to do, Lord, man, I feel sorry for darkness. Not really, but all wickedness will be destroyed. Lord, I pray, let us as a church, God, rise up in this day. Lord, let us not sh shrink back. As the book of Hebrews says, you're not pleased with that. Not pleased with it at all. But faith pleases you. So, Lord, whatever the battleground that's represented in this room today, and, Lord, I know there are many, but, Lord, we face them in faith, in the name of Jesus. We face them in the victory you have given us. Lord, if we're experiencing darkness as a result of, of just living in a dark world, Lord, the gospel is for that. Lord, if, Lord, we're still being tormented with sins and shame and guilt, the gospel is for that. Lord, if we have been laying back, and, and just because we, we've not known what to do, maybe we've been discouraged, Lord, because we've been confused and we, we, we've not been a part of of the kingdom of God in a, in, in a fruitful way. The gospel is for that. So Lord, I pray for everyone here in this room tonight, whatever their need is, Lord, would you come touch them? Forgiveness of sin by the blood of Jesus. Lord, a reawakening to our first love and to our mission. Lord, I pray that right now over every single person in this room that, Lord, we would be, it would be clear what we're called to do. And, Lord, if that means re-examining our lifestyles, what we do and what we've been focusing on, then lead us. Lead on, Lord. It's time for us to get back into the boot camp. It's time, Lord, for us to gather together and reconnoiter our position Prepare for a new battle ahead of us that has certain victory upon it. The battle belongs to the Lord and to his people who follow him. And victory is in store for us, Lord, and I thank you for that. So, Lord, bless us, keep us, make your face shine upon us. Before we go, if you're here tonight and you're not for certain that if you die tonight, you'd go to heaven, look, again, the gospel is for you. This is your chance to get on the winning team, to secure knowing that Jesus, he's coming again and knowing that he died for your sins, that he, he's prepared a place for you and that you can be with him forever and ever and ever. The Bible's written that you might know that you have eternal life. You can accept his free gift tonight. If that's you, want to give your life to Christ for the first time, raise your hand up nice and high. Raise it up. And before you leave tonight, come down here to the front. Let Pastor Bruce pray with you. Help you take your first steps. And then onward. Onward, Christian soldier, to tremendous victory. In Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you again soon. You have a great weekend, okay? Bless.